Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you all had a great weekend. A lot of football. Week one, a lot to get into. Let's get into it. Tonight finishes week one. The Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, primetime Monday night. I am looking forward to that, seeing Aaron Rodgers finally in regular season, uniform, ready to go with the new teammates. That's going to be exciting to watch. Big Monday night game, and I think potential already. You know, it's first week. AFC East implications on the line. Then I'm going to get into some of my biggest week one takeaways. There was a lot to take away. What's real? Who are we worried about? Who's just smoke? We'll get into that. And then finish up with some college football because I've been making this announcement about college football for the past few months now. And if this is the first time you're tuning in, you'll get to hear it. And for those that have been returning, you get to hear me preach it again. Because it's absolutely true about which team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. But let's get started with the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Obviously, it's in New York, but home field is going to the New York Jets tonight. I'm going to go right off the bat here. I'm going with the New York Jets. I am. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is fantastic in Monday night games. The last... Uh, Nine Monday night games he's played in. He's nine, you know. The last time he lost a Monday night game, two of his teammates, Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner, were in seventh grade. That's how long it's been. He doesn't lose these big time matchups. Now, to me, this is like one of his toughest Monday night matchups that he has. But I think he is going to show up and show out tonight. And what has he called it? It's not MetLife Stadium. It's JetLife Stadium. And after the crummy performance that the Giants put on last night, which I will be getting into, the Jets certainly have the right with a big win tonight to call it JetLife Stadium. So I believe that is going to happen. They're going to win. I think Aaron Rodgers has a great rapport and connection with his offensive weapons. Already he has one with Lazard and Randall Cobb. But I believe him and Devontae, or him and Garrett Wilson can be like him and Devontae were. Something special. I really do. A lot has been made about this offensive line. I don't think it's the strongest offensive line. I think it's good, though. I think if they're healthy, they're good to go. They also have good running backs, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, who will be ready to play tonight, both of them. So I like this offense. And when you factor in the Bills' defense, their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, is gone. Their best defensive player, Von Miller, is not playing tonight on the, the pup list, PUP, so he won't be there for this week or the next three games. But you take their best pass rusher to exploit this, you know, not great offensive line, and the Bills last year without Von Miller struggled to generate a pass rush consistently. So without Von Miller... I believe Aaron Rodgers is going to have time to throw. I believe they can establish a run game. So I like that going for them. And then defensively, last year, the Jets beat the Bills once and lost to them 
another time because of their great defense. The second time when they lost, great wasn't a great offensive performance by Zach Wilson. But this defense gave Josh Allen fits. They're able to not blitz a lot, have a strong pass rush with four people. I expect Keenan Williams to stop whatever rushing attack the Bills try to muster up. They're going to tee off on Josh Allen. I believe Josh Allen will make spectacular throws and great plays because that's the kind of quarterback he is. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But when you have one of the best defenses in the league, DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner on the outside, again, Keenan Williams, CJ Mosley at the linebacker position, they have to show up tonight. Why? Because DJ Reed was preaching that they can be a historical defense. Up there with the 85 Bears and the Legion of Boom, he said that. So you got to back it up because I thought there were two other defenses ahead of you, Cowboys and Niners. What did they do? Well, the Niners' defense absolutely looked terrific against Pittsburgh. It made it look like Pittsburgh didn't even practice at all this week. They were just out there making it up as they went uh, through the motions. It was pathetic. The Niners' defense is stout. And what did the Cowboys' defense do? Well, they shut out the New York football giants. So the Jets' defense does have lofty expectations. Tonight they're going to have to live up to it against one of the better teams in the AFC. So I expect it to happen. I expect the Jets to win at Jet Life Stadium. I also expect it to be emotional tonight. Tonight is the 22nd year anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks uh, that were in New York. So this game being played in New York, um, you know, I do think that, you know, the coaches, especially Robert Sala, who lost someone in those attacks, uh, you know, I think they are going to play the Jets with a little extra edge, mojo, and fiercest on this emotional night. And the Jets... The Jets will get the win here tonight. I like the Jets. Now let's move on to week one. Or the rest of what happened in week one, just yesterday. So there's a lot to take away. But I want to start with the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. That was Sunday night, last night, primetime game. All eyes on the two of them. And there were, I think, two sides of this game or two sides of the media were kind of playing up this narrative. One side, which I was a part of, was the Dallas Cowboys are just going to throttle the New York Giants. The Giants aren't good. Cowboys improved this offseason. They were already good last year. But this team's on another level. I was part of that group. And then there was this other group that tried, you know, tried to convince themselves that, oh, but, you know, the Cowboys are kind of the same as last year. The Giants made some upgrades. The Giants are going to keep this a close game, maybe win, uh, win or lose a close one because uh, Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, Saquon back, they just talked themselves into it. And those poor people talked themselves into that one. Last night showed a lot of things. It revealed a lot of things to me. It revealed that the Cowboys are for real. If they would have barely won this game, just pulled it out, I would have not had a lot of faith in the Cowboys. But the Cowboys put an absolute drubbing down 
on the New York Giants, 40-0. to zero. They scored offensive touchdowns, defensive touchdowns, and special teams touchdowns. The whole team looked good. Micah Parsons looked fast, fast and athletic. Trevon Diggs was forcing fumbles. He looked good. Stephon Gilmore man coverage. The defense looked great. Uh, Tony Pollard looked really good. Dak didn't have to do much because of uh, all the greatness happening around the defense and special teams. This team looked like a team that can win a football team. It didn't look like they're just trying to contend for their division title, the NFC East. They're contending for a Super Bowl. They put the league on notice. Yesterday was the reason why I picked the Cowboys to finish first in their division ahead of the Eagles. Perfect representation of that. Cowboys, they're legit. They're the real deal. And I'm not a Cowboys fan, but that's a good football team, and I will give them credit for that. The Giants, on the other hand, I don't like the Giants. And Daniel Jones, to me, very overpaid quarterback. Looked abysmal yesterday. Saquon didn't look great. This offensive line didn't look great. This defense didn't look great. Nothing looked good. So I think Brian Dable, who did an excellent job with Daniel Jones last year, obviously Daniel Jones went Con Artist Kirk on them. If you're just tuning in for the first time, Con Artist Kirk is who I refer to Cousins as because he takes a lot of money, plays mediocre, still gets his bag. Good for him. But Daniel Jones is the same. He's not that good. Brian Dable squeezed every ounce of juice that was in that lemon last year, which is Daniel Jones. You can't extrapolate anymore. You just can't. Daniel Jones matched out, tapped out. There's not another level he can reach. His ceiling has been hit. They're done. One playoff win against a crummy 13-4 and Vikings team. That's what it's going to show for. So, yes. I learned, I didn't learn anything from this game. Uh, it's kind of like what Dan Campbell said Thursday night. The Lions just didn't prove anything to me. It was verification of what I already knew. That's exactly what this game was. I picked Dallas to win. Stopped going to Cruz and they did. You know, my dad, on the other hand, you know, me and my family make our game day picks. He picked the Giants. Again, he tried to convince himself the Giants were something they not. Even my mom did. Somehow I had to talk her out of it. But, hey, the Giants aren't that good. This is a long sign of things to come for Giants fans. Another game I want to talk about. The Chargers and the Dolphins. Now, this one was an amazing offensive spectacle. I picked the Chargers to win. I thought they should have, but they did not because the Dolphins won 36-34, and there's nothing I can take away from the Dolphins' performance. Even though Tua threw a pick, he threw for 466 yards and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill went off yesterday, 11 receptions for 215 yards. Austin Eckler was great for the Chargers, 16 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. This game was fantastic. Back and forth all game long. Chargers have the lead. Dolphins have the lead. Chargers take it back. Dolphins take it back and win the game. It was fantastic. Now, did this game tell me that Tua is better than Justin Herbert? No, not at all. What did it tell me? Tua definitely has the best receiver right now, the better receiver that Justin Herbert has because Tyreek Hill is so good. What else did it teach me? Nothing. 
because what's one thing I already know, and I've talked about it plenty of times on my podcast last year, Brandon Staley is not the right head coach for the Chargers. Yesterday we saw the Chargers offense under Kellen Moore look a lot better than it did last year. Look more explosive, more refined, more balanced. I really liked it. But what I don't like is Brandon Staley. So Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams uh, the year before they made it to the Super Bowl. And they have a number one defense. Of course, he had Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, all these stars. So he had a number one defense. He was hired by the Chargers. And since then, his defense hasn't been that good. Hasn't fielded any top ten defenses. For being a defensive coach, you're supposed to be a defensive coach and you can't hold the opponent to less than 36 points. You can't make any adjustments and know, hey, Tyreek Hill's a really good wide receiver. Don't want to get burned by him. Let's do something different. And he doesn't. Last year, I was campaigning for Brandon Staley to get fired. I'm going to continue the campaign this year because he is not fit to be the Chargers head coach. Justin Herbert is wasting away under Brandon Staley. The talent is there. The production's there. But Brandon Staley is also there. And they can't win with Brandon Staley. He's an atrocious head coach. He really is. He really is. He should be fired immediately because he doesn't know how to coach the defense. And it makes me think that, oh, the reason they have a number one defense wasn't because of Brandon Staley. They had a bunch of playmakers on their defense with the Rams. And now he doesn't have those same playmakers. He doesn't have one of the best defensive players of all time in in, uh, Aaron Donald. He doesn't. They tried to go out and get big names, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, to pair with Joey Bosa. They got uh, Derwin James. They got great defensive players. But Brandon Steely just isn't the man for the job. What else do I take away from week one? Well, let's talk about Cincinnati-Cleveland. Now, this one was funny because I was going back and forth on this one. Cleveland won 24-3, just absolutely bullied the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, This was funny for quite a few reasons because a couple days before, Joe Burrow signed his massive $275 million extension with the Cincinnati Bengals. And again, I thought it was very deserving. But he only managed to throw for 82 passing yards. Wasn't good. A 20 QBR, a passer rating of 52. Got pulled in the fourth quarter. He was atrocious. Joe Mixon wasn't good. This offense was just inept the whole game. But am I buying that for the rest of the season? No. Last year, they started off 0-2. And like I said last week, the Browns were 5-0 against the Bengals last five years in uh, Cleveland. Make it 6-0 after yesterday. Uh, the Browns didn't look great. Deshaun Watson threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Uh, just the Bengals played worse uh, than they did. Gave the Bengals a short field opportunity. Uh, somehow didn't look like they've ever played a Moraine before in their lives, which is crazy. So, yeah, since he didn't look great. But to me, hey, they'll get back on the right track. We're not playing Cleveland. In Cleveland every week. And another note, because I just got to say it, because I can't believe I actually heard this. But, you know, my name, my nickname for Kirk Cousins is Con Artist 2.0. I just think he's an overrated quarterback. Uh, 
But then yesterday, as we're watching this game, I'm about to win some money. So my dad says that 20 bucks at Cincinnati won't make the playoffs and that Joe Burrow is the most overrated quarterback in the league. And then my brother said the Ravens are one of the division. So I'm just throwing that out there just as evidence so I can replay this back because the Bengals are going to be absolutely fine. They're going to make the playoffs. We will forget about this week one performance in short notice, especially next week when they play and beat the Ravens. Whereas Cleveland, I'm glad they got that win. They play the Steelers next week. The Steelers looked really bad. Maybe the Browns won't be the worst team in the division. Maybe they'll be three. But that's as high as I'm going. What other takeaways? How about the Minnesota Vikings, speaking of Kirk Cousins, went ahead and lost yesterday. One-score game last year, they were 11-0 in those in a regular season, only lost was the postseason. In a one-score game yesterday, they didn't come out on top. That's why I said they were going to regress back to the mean. Because you're not going 11-0 in those games this year. You'll go 6-5. and 5-6. Five. Five and six. Already started 0-1. There you go. Uh, Kirk Cousins was outplayed by Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield wasn't asked to do as much as Kirk Cousins, but Baker Mayfield had a better QPR uh, through two, two touchdowns, same as Kirk Cousins. But the key is Baker didn't throw any interceptions. Kirk threw an awful interception, hurt his team. Uh, I thought Justin Jefferson, again, looked phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Addison looks like a good number two wide receiver. Uh, but the defense is not fantastic, and they have a Kirk Cousins problem. This is why I didn't pick the Vikings to make the playoffs or repeat as division champions because, again, like Kirk Cousins, you can only go so far. Last year, much like Daniel Jones, I think is the farthest he can go. And that's why the Buccaneers won yesterday. How about another takeaway? Let's talk about first-year NFL head coaches with their team. And specifically Sean Payton. So NFL head coaches, first year with the team, they went 0-5 yesterday. Uh, not good. Not a good look for the new, new head coaches this year. Sean Payton lost in Denver. Um, Houston, D'Amico Ryan's lost. Arizona, uh, Gannon's lost. Um, so, yeah. Didn't look good. Indianapolis, uh, Coach Shane Steichen lost as well. And Carolina, Frank Reich. So it didn't look good. Didn't look good. But Sean Payton, this was the key one everybody was talking about this offseason. Sean Payton fixing Russell Wilson. And, you know, I got to thinking, and I mentioned this on my podcast uh, a couple times around the Sean Payton deal, is that, hey, Russell Wilson hasn't been to the Super Bowl in eight years. Sean Payton's only been there once, won it, 13 years ago. Are we overrating them a bit? And what happened yesterday? We lost by one point, 17 to 16. Last year, they had an average of 16 points per game. What did they score yesterday? 16 points. Las Vegas scored one more. Will Letts did miss an extra point. And a field goal, I should add. But Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, outside of the awful red zone pick, 
played more efficient than Russell Wilson. You take out that one play, Jimmy played a better game than Russell Wilson the whole game. Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams are more reliable targets than Cortland Sutton. When Samaji P. Ryan is your leading wide receiver, there's some problems in Denver. Denver doesn't look great. Their offense, to me, they don't have the, the weapons, the skilled position players. They don't have the quarterback. Sean Payton was hired to fix this offense. I don't think he can fix this offense. I think Sean Payton has to take a hard look and ask if he wants to go with Russell Wilson next year. Because they start off 0-1. Schedule doesn't get any easier. They still have to play Chiefs twice, Chargers twice, Raiders again. Still have to play the Bills and Lions and Jets. If I'm the Broncos and Sean Payton loves Caleb Williams, if you listen to any of the you know, interviews he did over the past year and talked about college quarterbacks, he loves Caleb Williams. If I'm the Broncos, I'm tanking for Caleb Williams. That's my guy. I'm going out and getting Caleb Williams because, hey, if Russell isn't the guy, we don't want him. We'll either eat that cap but we have a good rookie quarterback on a rookie deal or we'll try to trade him for just about anything to get him off the team. And then we can build around Caleb Williams for the next 20 years. That is the honest route the Broncos have to take. They have to tank for Caleb Williams. So, yeah, it started yesterday, and it should be continuing for a while. Now, Denver does play the Commanders next week. I believe the Broncos should win, but if they don't win that game, they start off 0-2, they are on a very, very slippery slope, slippery mountain that will lead to Caleb Williams. What other week one takeaways do I have? Anthony Richardson looked really good for the Colts. He really did. I was uh, not surprised because I said he'd be the best rookie quarterback of the class. And he does. Already one game he does, however. Trevor Lawrence was just a touch better than he was. Again, he's surrounded by a better team. But Anthony Richardson looked phenomenal. Jacksonville started off strong. It was one of the reasons uh, why I have him as such a high seed. as a two seed. And after yesterday, this weekend, Maybe they'll be the one seed because Jacksonville is that legit. What other takeaways do I have? Rams and Seattle. So shame on me for this one. So I was talking about the Rams a lot and how they finished second in their division uh, behind the 49ers. And last minute I made a change and picked Seattle ahead of them because Cooper Cup was on injured reserve thinking Cooper Cup is the entire team, which he's not. So shame on me, because the Rams look better. Sean McVay was the better coach. Matthew Stafford is healthy, and when healthy, yes, he is better than Geno Smith. So he was able to elevate the the 2-2 Atwells of the world. Um, And the, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Puka and Nakua as well. Uh, the running back, Kyron Williams, was good. So shame on me for picking the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that wasn't a smart pick. I should have kept my original L.A. Rams because Aaron Donald was there. He wrecked the offensive line. He wrecked Geno Smith. Geno Smith went back to his usual pedestrian self, 100 
in 12 yards, one touchdown, nothing special, a 44.5 QBR. So, yeah, shame on me for picking the Seahawks against the Rams. Philadelphia and New England. Now, New England did have this one close. Eagles are up early 16-0. to zero. I thought, hey, this is over. But New England fought back, made it 16-14, and then uh, Eagles get some points, 25-14. A late touchdown by the Patriots to make it 25-20. They missed a two-point conversion. They get it back. Uh, foot not down and bounds on a fourth down. Uh, don't get it. Close game. Eagles look good, but I did see a little regression in the offense. And this game was also emotional because it was Tom Brady Appreciation Day, so you were able to have see the ceremony and the interview during halftime, and I thought it was it was really touching. So, you know, it was rough to watch, but I am totally at peace with Tom Brady not being in the NFL, which is something I thought maybe I'd never be. Another game I want to touch on, Green Bay and Chicago. So, Chicago's toast. I'm saying that now. Chicago smoke. I picked the Packers to finish last in the division. I said this game was going to tell us a lot about that prediction where I had the Packers fourth, Bears third. It told me that Justin Fields is not that good. The coach, Eberflus, is not that good. The defense is not that good. Nothing about this team, how it's currently constructed, is viable. Whereas Jordan Love looked great. Three touchdowns. Looked a little Aaron Rodgers. Um... I could tell that he benefited sitting behind them for a few years. Aaron Jones was phenomenal, both receiving and catching. So I just want to apologize to Jordan Love because he played fantastic. Again, the benefit he had from sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, he was just really good yesterday. So I have that observation. Another one, I picked the Steelers up at the 49ers. That was not a smart pick at all. Uh, not good. Pittsburgh, again, looked unprepared. Brandon Ayuk looked good. Uh, Brock Purdy was smart, uh, decisive with the football. Christian McCaffrey was dominant. So that was a dumb pick. Uh, 49ers defense looks legit, looks for real. Brock Purdy, I didn't think he would actually be ready for tra- for the first game of the season. He is, and he also looks uh, fantastic. Now let's move on to college football. So... I was 6-4 and four again in my picks. Uh, a couple of my upsets didn't go my way, but there was one shocker. Well, I guess it wasn't one shocker because I thought it was going to be very close. But Texas beat Alabama by double digits at home, and Alabama under Nick Saban has never lost double digits at home. So Texas looked really good. Um, kind of, I thought, really won the first half. Um, kind of swung in the third quarter, dormant by Texas, and then Texas just obliterated them in the third half, just blitzed them offensively, looked good. Quinn Ewers looked fantastic um, in Alabama, just Jalen Milrow with a couple interceptions. He doesn't seem like Alabama's next quarterback. Uh, he doesn't. So I'm going to say this again. Alabama is toast. And I feel so right saying this because before the season – a lot leading up to this, I thought and said, Alabama's never winning another national title under Nick Saban. Yesterday was further proof. Uh, they are over. The only way they can win a national title now 
is if they win every single game remaining on their schedule. And I don't see them doing that. Uh, They play LSU later in the year. I don't know if I see them beating LSU if they do, and somehow they do run the table, face Georgia in the SEC title game. This is not a team that can beat the Georgia Bulldogs. This team is not making it to the college football playoff. Again, they're not winning it. This team is not what it once was. The dynasty uh, was over since Kirby won his second. But now it's like officially sealed. We can look back on this as a nice piece of 2010 to 2020 where they won six national titles. But right now, the dynasty is over, and I'm loving it. And this is one I can say proudly with my chest. So they came out with the rankings, they people, and I completely agree with the top six. Couldn't be more happy with the top six. I feel like they got it totally right. Georgia there at one. Again, you can't knock the defending champions, and they've only allowed 10 points in two games. They played fantastic. Michigan is two, similar to Georgia, only have allowed 10 points in two games. Offenses look very good. J.J. McCarthy, again, I thought they were the second-best team last year. Doesn't make sense to knock them now. Florida State at three, have one of the biggest wins of the season against LSU, and they followed it up by absolutely smothering, dominating Southern Miss. Texas had the biggest jump all the way up from 10 to 4, and I deserve it. You just beat the number three team, Alabama, in their own place, and it wasn't just barely field goal win, uh, a two-point conversion like their two losses last year. This was a 10-point double-digit win in which you were thoroughly the better team. Steve Sarkeesian has to be proud of his group. So right now, we would have a Georgia-Texas and Michigan-Florida State first-round matchup. Think about that. That, to me, is great. That's great for college football to have new teams, new blood in it. And then 5-6, five and six, 5 USC. Again, I agree with uh, they are 3-0. and oh, Scored 50-plus points in all their games. They look really, really good um, under Caleb Williams. And then 6, Ohio State. Um, so kind of a uh, slow start week one. Uh, but then this week, they really connected McCord to Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison was fantastic. Um, so moving forward, I think this is a really good team. But those top six, I agree with Georgia, Michigan, uh, Florida State, USC, Ohio State, even, even Penn State at seven. Uh, Big Ten, Big, or I should say this, Big Ten East is really good. Those three teams in the top seven. Uh, Georgia is a class of the SEC, really their only hope. Uh, same with Texas at the Big 12. Uh, ACC, Florida State. So college football is going to continue to be fun. Looking forward to it. Bill's Jets tonight. I got the Jets. Who do you guys got? Talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.